Hey, this is Jack from Brook Royal, and you are listening to the Blues Hockey Podcast. Let's go, Blues! Jason, with Chris. Hi. Hi. <laughs> oh, monotone and boring. Oh, wait. Anyway. You're the monotone and boring one. Hey, Jason. Yeah, be upbeat. Hey, what's going on? I'm good. Uh, anyway, sorry. I mean, Chris, are just, uh, we were just reading some reviews from iTunes. So, <laughs> anyway, some good some good ones. So, uh, thanks to all our families and friends who apparently just rated oh, us and made nobody else. All so. of our family and friends. So many family and friends. Yeah, it's just funny. Anyway, we won't get into that. We'll talk about hockey. Let's we'll try to be upbeat here. The Blues uh, started off well on our since our last podcast and kind of went downhill. It kind of started off strong and slowly went down. I mean, I think you can say that about all three games we're going to talk about. I have to, I think to a degree you're right. Um, so Blues news. Let's do the Blues news. We're getting to the recap. Um, not much going on. Just some little minor league transactions going on. Uh, Chris Thorburn got called up and Chris Butler got sent down, which we talked about last, uh, the end of the last podcast. Yep. Well, now uh, Chris Thorburn got into one game due to Jaden Schwartz getting hurt. Uh, Schwartz had to sit out the last two games that we we're talking about. Looks like he'll be good for this week, though. Um, Chris Thorburn, how much do you think Chris Thorburn played in that game, on the, in the Chicago game? How much did Chris Thorburn play? I got to be honest, I can't remember seeing his number on the ice at all. You're correct because he played one minute and 52 seconds in the first period and didn't play the rest of the game. Yeah, I, that sounds about right. Which caused the Blues. Next game, uh, Vince Dunn was uh, sat unceremoniously, in my opinion, this I last week. I don't understand that move at all. Uh, they said they want to get Jura back in, who looked lost yeah. in the uh, Calgary game, uh, excuse me, in Chicago game, and looked real bad. I think you could say that. Uh, no, it was it was a Calgary game because it was the last Chicago game where um, Dunn got sat after the overtime uh, gaffe that he had. Uh, you know what? I, I think that our someone someone on defense looking real bad could be said for a great many of our defensemen right now. Yeah, um, there's a I, which uh, hopefully after we don't this, uh, I encourage Chris and I encourage everybody else to check out the uh, article on the Athletic by Jeremy Rutherford. He had a anonymous ex NHL defenseman. Uh, analyze the Blues and some clips from the Blues about how their defense is, and it's very interesting on what he thinks. Uh, basically, I said they're. I got yeah, yeah, basically the synopsis is they're playing a modified man-to-man, and he's like that died after the lockout in 2004, 2005. So it's real interesting on. He says they're tired. Basically, they're tiring themselves out by the third period. Which I mean, you can see it. You can see it. But after he said that, I'm like, wow, that's. Every game that we're going to talk about, the Blues have had the lead in the third period. Two of the three, they coughed it up. And the one that they did win, they tried their damnedest to cough it up. Yeah. So we will uh, get into those games. So, uh, And then today we are recording on the 16th of October. Uh, the n- next uh, transaction with the San Antonio Rampage uh, is Chris Thorburn got sent down. He did not require waivers this time. Uh, because he's on the Blues roster less than 30 days. 
and he played less than I forgot how many games. I think it's like at less than five games in 30 days, and whatever that it is, like you get uh, you can get sent down without waivers if you required it before. So Chris Thorburn has sent down uh, Zach Sanford, who is uh, playing very well for the uh, San Antonio Rampage with two goals in four games, is called up. So it looks like they're going to try somebody who can play more than two minutes a game in the game eventually. Well, here's hoping. Uh, Schwartz looks like he is uh, he's on number one power play unit today at practice. So it looks like he's coming back. Uh, the other good news is it sounds like we are darn close to being 100% healthy. Uh, Shoshnikov, I got it right finally. Fabry, Fabry and uh, Gunnarsson. You can't say Fabry's name. If you say his name, he's going to break a leg. Yes. Yeah, but he was on the ice today, I mean, along with Carl Gunnarsson. So uh, they are all going on this current road trip, which is, starts in Montreal tomorrow night, the 17th. Um, and they got a couple more after that. Uh, they're all going on it, which is encouraging, which makes me think that they might be close to game ready. So Man, you're going to see uh, you're going to see a, a lot of roster moves in the next, I think, week and a half, two weeks. Uh, a lot of a lot of decisions need to be made, basically. I would agree with that. I would say both from just a sheer amount of people move, and I would say you're going to start seeing moves made if things don't change in outcomes of games. Yep, and also Oscar Sundquist also skated today too. So you're talking everybody's going to get in. Uh, I mean, he's probably going to wind up getting sent down, or he'll be the extra guy, uh, depending on how they do with Sanford. So a lot of stuff's going on. So let's get into the game recaps. So first off, the Blues are playing their, I believe it would be third home game so far, and they're playing, excuse me, the Calgary Flames, who uh, come in – Playing pretty decent so far. They've had a couple of uh, – they had a big roster turnover in the offseason as well. Yep. Uh, a lot of the big trade with Carolina. They brought in James Neal, who made an impact this game. Uh, so after this game, uh, they're 2-1 and one going to this game. So let's see how they do. So And I believe uh, I read a stat prior to this game that the Blues had never started a season 0-3. I believe you're correct there. Well, so They 0-3 because technically even had they lost this game, they wouldn't be 0-3, but – um, winless in their first three? Yeah, I think that's your correct there. So uh, did not start off great, as uh, we just talked about. The James Neal gets a goal from Sam Bennett and I'll say Doobie or Doob. Well, I'll say Doobie because it's more fun to say. At 7.32 of the first period. And for once, the Blues countered and got a goal very quickly back. Yeah, this, this, is what, this is what they normally do. Yeah, I mean, it's usually they lay back and take their time, it seems like. And um, but they st- struck quickly, and uh, Alexander Steen gets his first of the year from uh, Jordan Cairo, who made a really good play here and uses speed to go basically straight up the middle from his own blue line after he made a, a pass to Bowmeister and give and go, basically, and got into the zone, dished to Steen, who beat uh, Mike Smith underneath his uh, catching arm, his left hand, his left arm. So uh, maybe a weak goal, if your thoughts? Um, I mean – Savable. It's savable. It's look, I'm trying not to beat up on Allen too much. Um, I think that the goal was savable, but in the grand scheme of things, of some of the stuff we saw in the first two games, it was a great shot. I mean, yeah, I missed the James Neal one, so. So, I mean, look, I, I do, I think that. That's a goal he wants to have back, probably, but it's not like it was a goal that it was an unexcusable goal. 
So the Blues tie it, luckily, on Steen's goal, and then they come back less than two minutes later. Uh, a really good play by uh, Schwartz along the left boards right before the Calgary blue line to keep it in the zone. Uh, Shen steals it, and you think he's going to pass because he – I mean, shoot, because he really doesn't have a passing lane, but he somehow snuck this puck between defenseman – a defenseman sliding, defenseman's, another defenseman's stick, and the goalie Mike Smith, and David Prawn gets his first goal back with the Blues. Yeah. Uh, it's first of the year from Shen. Uh, excuse me, fan favorite Dave Prong. It's his first of the year there you at, go. The, at the 9.48 mark. Blues take a 2-1 lead. Uh, the first, I believe their first, no, it's not their first lead at home. It did lead in the Chicago game. Uh, but everything's looking looking good. And uh, later on in the period, uh, Robert Thomas uses his speed to get in the zone and throws a puck in front. And Barbashev uh, gets a piece of it. But is quickly checked. But Joel Edmondson's falling out the play and buries uh, buries at home for his first of the year, his in his basically first game of the year since he was out with a groin uh, strain. Uh, hit seventeen twenty two mark. So Barbashev and Thomas. So the two rookies in the first period get their first NHL points. Um, so that was good to see. Uh, any thoughts about the first period? I liked how quickly the Blues responded to the Calgary goal. Uh, especially coming off of that overtime loss versus Chicago where they had the lead late and then lost it, went into overtime and fought hard at overtime, but, you know, turned it over and, and Taze is on a breakaway and buries it. I was afraid, as we've seen many times with this team over the years, that once they start to fall behind, it starts to just become an avalanche and just, Negative begets negative begets negative. And I'm not going to lie, when we went down early, part of me was like, well, here we go. It's going to be another 5-1 loss. Um, but I liked the resilience that this team showed. Not only did I like the resilience in getting the goal right back, they didn't let up. They kept pushing. Um, you know, leaving that period 3-1 was, was pretty great. Um, and it what I liked was that the blues got stronger as the period continued. It wasn't one of those where we had just, you know, a three or four minute span where we looked really good and then the rest we played even. We continued to get stronger as that period progressed. Yeah, which is a good change of pace compared to where they were playing the first couple of games. So uh, they get into the second period now and Blues get a couple power plays here. So early on, they get a power play goal from David Perron from Shin and Steen at the 405 mark. That's fan uh, David Perron, second of the night. Correct. He uh, and this was kind of a really bad play by Mike Smith, who went behind the net to get the puck, and Shin was already there and kind of knocked it by uh, Smith and over to David Perron, who had a wide open goal with nobody around. So nobody, one of the easiest goals he'll have in his career. So uh, his second of the night, second of the uh, season, and he finishes off the hat trick at the 1924 mark, his third goal of the game, third goal of the season, as I said. Shen, another assist from Schwartz as well. A point shot that hit uh, a defenseman's stick on the way and changed. It went right underneath the pads of Mike Smith. David Brown will take it. Fans are throwing hats on the ice. Uh, a very cool sight to see. And the Blues are up. Living together. Yeah, yeah, five to one. All is well with Blues fans. Everybody's, you know, Jake Allen's playing solid. 
Then the third period. And comes that's around. true. And let's 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 talk about that for a minute because last show we were really really critical of him. Uh, Jake Allen made some fantastic saves in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, through the first two periods, especially that the the second half of the first period and the second period, this team played as the team we expected to see all year. Yeah, it was nice to see that uh, how everything was kind of gelling together, like everything's coming together finally. Uh, and mind you, the top and then it, you don't hear much about the top line this game, but they were really effective, like O'Reilly, Tarasenko, and uh, I think Maroon was there for a while. Steen got moved up every once in a while. But um, that line, I think O'Reilly and Tarasenko are starting to really get some chemistry. And I think the I think the goals and points are going to come. Like he's already gotten some, but uh, they look, looked really good in most of the games together. So I really like the the way that's going. So I think as the season goes along, that's a good storyline to keep a track of, keep uh, keep an eye on. Uh, O'Reilly's doing well in all facets of the game so far, winning a ton of faceoffs. Uh, he's up and he's still in the sixty percent tile and during this game he's in the high 60s still he's still at 68 percent mm-hmm. overall which is crazy he was at 73 percent for a while yep so he dropped a little bit but still 68 percent of faceoffs is great um uh, doing exactly what you wanted him to do when you traded for him yeah because you win face off you get puck control and you can create chances that way so let's get to the third period where we kind of alluded to it where the blues kind of let their foot off the gas which tell me if you heard that or once or twice before i mean just a few times uh, so Derek Ryan gets a one-timer here after a turnover in the blue zone from Zarnick and uh, Matthew Kachuk at the 817 mark. So 5-2 to two Calgary. They're like, all right, uh, that happens. Like It was basically he was w- wide open in the slot and just one-timed a shot. So his first with the Calgary Flames after he signed from uh, Carolina in the offseason. Uh, Michael Backlund gets his first year from Giordano and Limbaum at the 1104 mark making it five to three and there was a little momentum going. And I got, I'll be honest with you. I had that pit in the stomach feeling where you're like, uh Oh, Oh, for sure. And it was, and, that, and like, mind you, I'm not going to point this out too. On both goals. I, I thought Jake Allen didn't have a chance because the defense was basically letting him down. I agree. And that's something I wanted to talk about once we got to the end of this game was, I don't think that any of those goals you could put on Allen. It, it's becoming, a big problem, and I believe it was either after this game or after the Chicago game, they pointed out the number of shots on goal the Blues have given up through, it was either the first three or four games, and it's staggering. It was, at the time, the second highest in the NHL. Yeah, I believe they're the highest after the Chicago game. And this is a team that, for a long many years, has prided itself on not giving up shots on goal. Um, yeah, it's a problem. It's a real problem what's happening right now with our defense, specifically because it's the one aspect of the game that I think ownership, coaching, and fans didn't think needed to be addressed. Yeah. It, was, it was the one you know gold star on the report card was our defense. You know, say what you will about the offense not scoring goals or the power play being bad and say what you want about Jake Allen and the goaltending situation, but the one shining thing on this team was its defense. 
And I would say through these first five games, the defense is the biggest issue. Yep. I would agree with that. And like I said, definitely check out the article by Jeremy Rutherford where I thought that was a really great breakdown of not only stat-related stuff, but also uh, uh, apparently NHL defenseman, ex-NHL defenseman who told them what was going on, what he saw. And I thought it was really interesting on uh, the Blues are unfortunately leading the way on there's a Corsi stat that's out there, basically like high danger chances. Mm-hmm. And, the Blue, and the Blues have given up the third most, but the goalies also have the worst save percentage at 73% of those. So they're basically, like we talked about in the past, they're not coming with that big save on that great ace chance that, you know, the opposite team's getting. They're not making that, you know, save to get the bail off the team. That's not happening. Right. And which we kind of talked about. And that also speaks to something that we talked about the last podcast too, which is, you know, let's go back to the, the season opener against Winnipeg where, yeah, we outshot Winnipeg, but how many of those shots were legitimate scoring chances? You know, I would much rather have quality of shots than quantity. And it seems like with the Blues defensively right now, not only are we giving up a lot of shots in quantity, but we're giving up legitimately dangerous shots. We're not just giving up, you know, shots that are getting flung in from the sideboards and hoping for a redirect or, you know, a, a rebound from the other side. We're giving up a lot of big-time scoring chances. And that's, you know, that's problematic this early in the year, especially when you're talking about a team that has veteran leadership on the blue line, that it just seems like over the course of this offseason, we've forgotten how to shut down other teams. Yeah, which was uh, kind of a hallmark of like, uh, you know, Ken Hitchcock teams where they you would only get maybe 20 shots against. Right. Maybe, maybe they were, there's some good chances mixed in there. And then, but you're, you know, you're kind of didn't have the greatest offense on top of that because you're really focused on defense. So you got to take the good with the bad, but at the same time, the power play is clicking. The power play is clicking. Like, and the offense seems to be kind of clicking at times. The offense has gotten better with each game. Yeah. But the defense, the defense has gotten worse. Yeah, yeah. The defense is just not there. I mean, yeah. we can get into it deeper. I, I, you know, you and I have been talking almost daily about the fact that, and God bless him, we've both been, you know, proponents of this guy for the longest time. But I think it's safe to say that Jay Bowmeister's best days are long behind him at this point. Yeah. I think yeah. it's uh, that off that, uh, that preseason stuff that we talked about that quickly disappeared. And, he is not – the other problem is, and this is a coaching thing for me, he is not – as we talked about, we agreed on this, he's not a top-pairing guy anymore. No. he And that's he, and that's he's, get, he's getting played with right now. He's getting played with the Trangle every game, which is dumb. walked almost, almost every time that a team brings the puck in on the rush and they come in on his side, he's getting walked around almost yeah. every time. Now, look, I, I – agree that what he still brings to this team is great on the penalty kill. He's able to get the puck and get it out, but his, of that, he's a third pairing guy. Simple as that. Second at best. And then the other thing is, and maybe I'm more critical of him than I should be because of his role in this team, but I have been very 
largely unimpressed with Alex Petrangelo's game through mm-hmm. five games. Yep, he is, I, uh, he is so many times, career worse right now, minus five. So many times I watched the puck come to the point, be it on a power play or just as they cycle around. And like I made the joke to you the other day, Petro couldn't hold the puck in if you paid him to do it. Oh, wait, they actually do pay him to do it. Yeah, he's uh, he struggled real badly as we get into the Anaheim game where his, his, his glaring mistake looks like it cost the Blues the game. 100% it did. Yeah. And it just, like, it seems like there are two things that we talk about year in and year out when it comes to our defense. And that is, number one, the inability to hold the puck in the offensive zone. And number two, the inability to clear the puck out of our defensive zone. Yep. They, it bites us in our ass every year. And I was thinking back, I the last defenseman that I had – absolute confidence that could hold the puck in the zone on offense was Kevin Shattenkirk. Yep. I agree on that one. That's because he is, that's what he is really good at. That's what he good got. on the other end. One good on the other end, but he was really good offensive. On the defensive end, but he was great at keeping it in, in the zone on the point. Yep. So uh, let's get into the Chicago game. And before we get into Chicago, what was our friend Rafi say? I was like, you go fuck yourselves, <laughs> Chicago. There we go. So uh, Blues did not start off great here. Uh, about halfway through the first, Arvin Isimov gets his first of the year from Saad and Kuhn at the, I think that's how you say Cahoon? Yeah, whatever. 11.51. Yeah, 11.51 of the first. And Patrick Kane gets another one about five minutes later. Uh, his fifth unassisted on the power play. This is where the Blues' inability to, like we talked about, to clear the puck happened. And guys are diving everywhere. And Kane just takes the puck after it's everybody's scrambling. There's at least, I think, three blues on the ground diving, and Jake Allen is all over the place trying to find the puck, and Kane buries it. Mind you, I say this, and I'm thinking I'm going off on a, on a Jake Allen there. I'm not, because Jake, this would be a, a solid 4-5 to five nothing game if it wasn't for Jake Allen during this period. For sure. Uh, 23 shots the blues let up this period. This period. Not like, That's mind you, they were total when he was passed. Yeah, and mind you, that's the Blues were had four penalties this period. Um, I didn't get to see all this, but I saw parts of it, and uh, yeah, it wasn't great from what I could so see. The Blues, the Blues played with their heads up their ass for the first period. It was, I think, it might be the single worst period of hockey that they've had this season. Excuse me, three three penalties that period. Uh, Bomeister and all defensemen, Bomeister, Edmondson, and Bartuzzo all had penalties this period. So and. And honestly, I think all three of those penalties came from um, them getting beat and chasing the play and making a bad penalty. Yeah, so really not a great start. So we get into the second period, and uh, off of and they didn't look great either because they were stuck on these. Uh, how many was it with the shots? They had ten shots. They were stuck on eleven shots almost till Braden Shen got this goal. Yeah. And Braden Shen got this goal at the 12:35 mark. So I would say halfway through the period, so halfway through the game, they were stuck on 11 shots, and Chicago was almost at 30. Yep. And not looking great, but Shen scores his first year from Schmaltz and Tarasenko. So Jordan Schmaltz gets an assist after getting uh, back to the into the game due to uh, I took Jira back out because he did not play well. Basically, he's on the ice for I think all three of the Calgary goals, so they took him out. 
Uh, Schmaltz back in, and uh, Dunn is out as well still. Man, I I don't get who's – Wheaties done took a crap in to get put in the in the doghouse because I, I thought that he has been a a very active and productive member of this team through the the very early stages. Yeah, according to Mike Yo, he said it wasn't just the the overtime gaffe against Chicago where he tried to force that shot which sprang Taves for the goal. He said he, they didn't think he was performing up to standards during the preseason as well, and it was just a culmination of things. Uh, as you can tell, Dunn was not happy with the with the being sad as uh, they tried to get multiple, multiple interviews with him, which is it's good to see. I'll give him say that much. He said no comment when multiple reporters asked him for a, a quote with why he wasn't playing. So he said I no comment. And, up about it. Yeah, so I he was pissed. On this team had that fire. Yeah, so it's great that uh, Haley's had that. So the period wraps up, and at the time, the shots are now almost forty shots, thirty nine to twenty two. Jake Allen is keeping this game a one-goal game somehow. And you're thinking, well, hopefully the Blues can do something. And I don't know what Las Vegas did to David Perron, but I think it is pretty great because he got his fourth of the year unassisted off a turnover. I was going to say, uh, all that goal he got in the Calgary game, the easiest goal of his career, this would be the second easiest. Yeah, off a nice turnover, a nice uh, four-checking play by him as well. So a power play goal uh, by him. And this is where uh, we kind of get caught up on the penalties now. And uh, Chicago starts to get a bunch of penalties this period. And Braden Jen gets his second from Steen and Pareko at the 447 mark. Another power play goal. Like I said, the one lone bright spot we can talk about is the power play is so much improved. Like, yes. they're, they're, they're doing really well off that. So I can at least say that much, which is great. Um, so. I wish that they would shoot more. Yeah, um, it seems like it's a lot of a passing looking for like the perfect shot, basically. Yeah, but I mean that being said, the thing that you have to like about this power play, and I think you can look directly at Ryan O'Reilly and Tyler Bozak for this, is we are winning faceoffs in the offensive zone on the power play. Mm-hmm. So, um, like I said, everything is looks like it's going well. The Blues are doing well, but then. Alex DeBrinkett gets his fifth of the year from Taves and Keith, 13.06 mark. Uh, like we talked about last game, uh, DeBrinkett seems to be like a steal in the draft. Drafted four or five spots after, I cannot tell you the exact thing, after Jordan Cairo, because he's actually shorter than Jordan Cairo, because there's a lot of people who say Cairo's short. Alex DeBrinkett's like three or four inches shorter than him. Yeah. So All uh, he does is score, though. Yeah. So, um and as we, as you allude to there, he does an overtime. Uh, uh, the sixth of the year from Gustafson and Anisimov at the 451 mark overtime, just nine seconds left. He gets the Chicago Blackhawks, who in their fifth game have played their fifth overtime game. Ridiculous. Yeah, and uh, so they have they've they're three and two in overtime. Uh, so they are uh, living and dying by overtimes right now. So uh, I don't I don't expect that to last. Uh, not uh, taking, I'm not taking anything away from them, but they oh, keep pressing and everything overtime. Um, eventually, it's going to catch up to you. Like they're scoring in bunches right now because their goaltending hasn't been great. If they get yeah. Crawford back, maybe something will happen. But uh, I just don't see them lasting, living and dying by this. I think eventually that's going to go by the wayside. I felt extraordinarily bad for Jake Allen after this game because, as critical as everyone has been on Jake Allen, and justifiably so through the first 
three games of this season, boy, that dude earned his money against Chicago Saturday night. And he kept this team in it when they couldn't score. And, you know, if not for Jake Allen, this game would have been over in the first period and it would have been three or four to nothing and then five, six to one at one point. And it's just this team finds new and incredible ways to blow it. And it's we'll talk about it more once we get on the other side of this this last game. But I uh, I really felt for Jake Allen, man, because he finally had that game that you need him to where he could steal you a game. He did his part. He stole he, him a point. He stole him a point for sure. For sure. But there's just, man, there's so many problems when it comes to this team's inability to put a game away. Yeah, it's extremely frustrating to say the least. Uh, as we'll talk about once again, uh, the Blues come back home on a back-to-back here, play Anaheim the next day. Anaheim was doing very, very well uh, so far. Um, surprisingly, with all the injuries they have, they're out with Corey Perry, Getzlav, um, a couple other. Uh, Nick Ritchie has not signed yet, so they're out a lot of guys, but uh, still playing well. So that Ryan Kessler is amazingly playing right now. They expect him not to play this season at all, and he's already back playing. So I don't know miracle recovery or whatever, but he's put back and playing. Um, I thought the Blues was seriously outplayed Anaheim and it controlled the game up until this point. Unfortunately, a bad break here as Edmondson took a shot that hits off of a Ducks player and Jakob Silverberg, who uh, has some speed, blows by the defense for a breakaway and uh, making his first start of the game, Chad Johnson, and unfortunately uh, gets beat on the breakaway glove side. Jakob Silverberg with his third of the year from, I'll say, Comtoy and uh, Lindholm at the 18-21 mark. So I thought the Blues were playing them really great here. I thought the power, they had basically one of the best-looking power plays I've seen them ever have without actually getting a goal. It was amazing to see, but they did not get a goal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, old friend Ryan Miller is in for uh, the Ducks. I'm familiar with that name. Yeah. We're hoping, like we said on uh, Twitter, we're hoping not for a Ryan Miller shutout, which for – which everybody uh, might know is a uh, one goal is a late goal against when you're pitching a shutout and you get one goal in. So you always look by just the one goal. So you're hoping the blues will do more than that. And they seem to do that in the second period. And Alexander Steen gets his second of the year from Edmondson and Tarasenko off a little redirection. So at the 1149 mark, the blues tie the game up, have some life, uh, get a power play and Tyler Bozak, Gets his first as a blue right in front of the net from uh, Patrick Maroon at the 1552 mark. Blues take the lead. Uh, And all from these two periods, maybe if you want to comment more on it, but I thought they really kind of controlled the game. And outside of the one goal from East Silver, which is a breakaway, there really wasn't too many high danger chances in the first two periods. And and Chad Johnson made the saves that he had to. There may be one or two difficult saves, maybe, but he made those saves. And I thought he looked. Honestly, I thought he looked really good. Yeah, I, I did too. I uh, I thought that, like you said, there were a couple of times where the Ducks threatened, and I I thought he could have uh, he could have been in a little better position. But at the end of the day, 
Um, the defense did bail him out a couple times. Um, he got the angles he needed to. I thought that Allen, or no, I'm sorry, not Allen. I thought that Johnson was more than serviceable in this role coming on the back half of a of a back to back game. Yep. So the Blues go into the uh, third period, and Ben Street unfortunately ties it up his second of the season from Manson and Fowler. Um, this is off a play where the Blues had a couple icings in a row. And I believe it was Bozak who had the faceoff loss, pulls it back. And no, excuse me, it was Shen. Um, there was some confusion here, which uh, if you read, like I'm pimping this out once again, the article from Jeremy Rutherford, where there was uh, Shen didn't go out to the point and he covered the defenseman. So the point was pretty much left wide open and Manson's got a pretty good shot and uh, we let it rip and Ben Street uh, got deflection to beat uh, Chad Johnson. So, uh, Unfortunately, tied up there, and then the big one, Andrew Cagliano gets his first of the year from Kessler and Lindholm at the uh, 1444 mark, a power play goal. The big thing about this is the Blues were pretty much killing this power play off really easily. Uh, the puck was behind the net. Uh, Alex Trangel had literally nobody around him. Went to clear it, plain whiffed on it. And yep. turned turn the puck over to Kessler, who quickly threw it across to, to a charging Cagliano, who buried it. Once again, uh, Chad Johnson, I don't think, really had a shot at this one. No, not at all. Yeah, so um, – and you kind of – like as soon as you saw him whiff the puck, it was kind of like one of those things where I watched it in slow motion in my head, and it just you just knew that was coming. Like, you just had that feeling. As soon as he whiffed on a puck, you're like, okay, it's in the back of the net, and then boom, boom, back of the net. And the Blues dropped this one 3-2. to two, So. Uh, after five games, uh, let's, let's say the panic uh, alarms are live and well in, uh, among Blues fans. One, two, and two, and they haven't looked great in most of those games, honestly. You can say maybe the Calgary game for two-thirds of that game, they look pretty good. But outside the other the other four games, haven't been great. The opening night game wasn't great. Both the Chicago games where they blew leads. Um, out of five games, they've blown four leads they've had, and three of those have been in third period. Um, it's that, a problem. That's that's something that's happened for a long time, and I've seen articles from Blues fans and uh, different other Blues fans and bloggers saying, "Hey, we need to make changes, or we need to the coach needs to go." Um, to hey, it's early. Don't worry about it. Uh, our buddy Phil Maroon pointed out that uh, last year uh, Washington went five, six, and one to start, and somebody else went whatever, and they want they went to the finals. Um. Who knows? I mean, that, all that that's might be true. It was just uh, I don't know how Washington looked in that five, six, and one time period. They could have just had some bad luck losses. They could have looked like crap and barely got five, six, and one. I don't know. Uh, all I know is that this team you can tell is needs work. Um, will they be able to snap out of it? Who knows? Is it too early? Uh, I'll pose the question to you. Um, let's just say this continues and the Blues flounder around the five hundred mark. Uh, do, do you make a co- do you make a coaching change? If you um, do, if you do, when do you make the coaching change? If they, they say they're five hundred for, I think you've got twenty games. Thanks. That's it's about Thanksgiving. I was going to say about Thanksgiving. Yeah, uh, and let me preface this by saying I don't think that it's Yo's fault, but I think that you have to make a change. Um, this is a very expensive team. I believe it's the second most expensive team in the NHL. As of right now, we have no cap room, yes. Um, 
and something is wrong. Um, I am not a proponent of blaming the coach for everything. I feel like that is that has been the Blues' mo for God decades. It seems is it's blame the coach, be it um, you know Quinville or whoever down the line. We always seem to let the coach take the blame, and um, it's some you know, dude. I don't know how to fix it. I mean, we have we have changed coaches, we have turned over rosters, we have done everything. There is a culture problem in the St. Louis Blues, and it has been a problem as long as I have been a fan. Um, with the exception of the year that this team went to the conference final, they. And even and I'll even say that year because they don't know how to close out. Because if they did, they wouldn't have gone seven against Chicago, and they wouldn't have gone seven against Dallas. Um, I don't know what the problem is, Jason, um, and and I don't know if this team knows what the problem is. But, dude, there there's something wrong, and Yo's going to lose his job if this doesn't change. Do you think it's? Uh, I'll give you a couple of questions and you can say yes or no or what you think. Do you think they're buying into their hype? Like Blues fans are like everybody's hyping them up about such a great offseason. Look at this team. This team's going places. Do you think they're like, oh, yeah, it will all work? And they're just. I don't know, man, because I feel like we asked this same question two years ago during the 50th anniversary season. Yeah. I, um, just, yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to I, like I'm just trying to think of different things I've seen thrown out there. Here's, here's the thing, and I, I think I'm going to take this back to something that Ken Hitchcock used to say all the time. And at the end of the day, it's the truth. Your best players need to be your best players every night. And that doesn't happen on this team. Um, yeah, it's true. Alex Petrangelo, Vladimir Tarasenko, Jake Allen. Like, if you – are one of the top guys in your position. And that right there is our number one goalie, our number one defenseman, and our number one forward. You've got to be better. Plain and simple. You have to. Um, there's a reason why Drew Doughty is getting paid what he gets paid and wins the awards he gets awarded and wins Stanley Cups. That dude brings it night in and night out. And I'm not saying that Petro doesn't, but good Lord, that man seems to have some massive mental lapses and just seems like it doesn't bother him. And I think that's something that was brought up in an article a couple years ago was that Petro seems to be one of those guys who, when the game's over, he just moves on. And there's positive about that, and there's negative about that. Yeah. Um, for me, personally, as a fan, I want my captain, I want the leader of my defense to take it a little personally when the defense is letting down our goaltender all the time. Um, I think that, again, and we talked about this last year and I think even the year before, David Backus, while he was not God amongst hockey players, had that leadership factor where he wouldn't let shit like this slide. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he would have called people to the carpet. He would have had 
a closed door meeting, he would have figured this out. Yeah, and I, I don't see that fire in many people in this lineup. I'm not saying people are playing for a paycheck. I think there might be a couple, but I don't think that this team's mailing it in. I just don't think that we have many leaders in this locker room. I think we have a bunch of guys who have talent, but no one who wants to step up and go, follow me, let's go. David Backus did that. I don't think Vladimir Tarasenko is that guy. I think he's more than happy to go out and play his best game, but I don't think Vladimir Tarasenko is the guy who's going to go, it's time to win now. Now, to be fair, Alex Ovechkin wasn't that guy for a long time either. Yeah, it took him how many years to kind of be yeah, not the guy, but you see the guy that he just got fired up and was right. you know, vocal and stuff. You very deferred to people and stuff like well, that. So, Do I think that they're believing their own hype? I would hope after these five games where you're one, two, and two, and everyone else around you in the professional hockey world, be it players, teams, and writers, have already started to write you off, that you would understand there's no hype left. But I don't know what it is, Jason. I, I, I truly don't. And I think that is where you see the frustration so early with the fan base is it just seems like, here we go again. Same crap, different season. Yeah, man. It usually takes the Blues 25, 30 games to get to this point. And now we're dealing with it right out of the bat. Yeah, Blues were very um, – yeah, it was a lot – like we talked about high expectations and – like I, I thought this team had a chance to get into the playoffs for sure. Could they make some noise in the playoffs? If things went perfect, what? if things went perfect, yes. Were they- Look, I don't even think things had to be perfect. I mean, we we obviously know that when you're talking about the Central Division, you're talking about Nashville and Winnipeg and then the rest of the division. But that being said, do I think that the Blues can hang with those two teams? Absolutely. Yeah, if they play their game and they can and they play well and not be play they played in the last five games, I think they definitely can. So they go on a road, their first road trip. So hopefully, maybe they can get the, you know away from Scott Trade and maybe that's maybe that will help out. People always say going on road trips helps bonding and stuff like that. Maybe it'll help the whole everybody coming yeah. together thing. Uh, they're going on their little minor Canada swing here. The surprising Montreal Canadiens are three one and one somehow. Yep. After everybody kind of wrote them off, we're playing them on Wednesday, October 17th. And the team that everybody's picking to win the cup pretty much, the Toronto Maple Leafs, are 6-1 and one so far, and they're scoring a ton of goals. As you expected. And they play them Saturday, the 20th, and then they, we get a rematch against Winnipeg at Winnipeg on Monday, the 22nd, on this little road trip. So hopefully the Blues can get their stuff together. Um, they needed to get, I would say, for this road trip to be successful, I would really like four out of six points. Good luck with that. That's going to be a tough call. Uh, Montreal's going uh, to me is the easiest one of those uh, three. Mind you, Winnipeg has played five games as well. They're not that much. They're only three and two. So, I mean, it's not like Winnipeg, you know, expected to roll teams. They haven't really rolled teams yet either. So, I mean, the Blues are sitting there with four points in five games, and Winnipeg has six points in five games. So, you're really just behind Winnipeg, uh, the one that's – rolling right now is Chicago who has eight points. So, and like I said, I kind of expect that to, then to come back down to earth eventually. Um, but we'll see. Uh, other blues news during this game, Robert Bortuzzo, uh 
got hurt. So he's out with a lower body injury. Um, skated today. Uh, unknown if he'll play. He played on. He was on the fourth set of defensemen. So it looks like he's maybe not 100% ready, but at least skating. Uh, I expect Schmaltz to slide in there probably. Uh, and we'll see from there. Dunn was back in on the top six. He was on the third pairing again. So it looks like he's maybe semi working his way back into the good graces. Uh, Sanford was switching out with Robert Thomas. So who knows if Sanford gets in and Thomas gets sat for a game, maybe. I don't know. So, uh, like I said, they play Montreal tomorrow, the 17th. We'll see how they do it there. So, uh, let's go ahead and wrap it up there. So if you want to get a hold of us on Twitter, it's at Blues Hockey NHL. I'm at Halsapalooza. And if you want to find us on Facebook, it's Blues Hockey Podcast. Same goes with Instagram. And our website, blueshockeypodcast.com and .net uh, to listen there or and find uh, where to listen to us, which is iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and YouTube. Uh, me and Chris are going to work on some stuff here that we're going to get on YouTube pretty soon. Uh, just some exclusive stuff uh, just for that site that you'll be able to get. And we'll let you guys know when that's released. So I think I nailed everything so far, except for our shirt, um, Glass Bangers, that, uh, like we said, I think it's a really cool shirt. I do, too. You've still got about two, three weeks left. to I would say two weeks left to order it if you want to get it in time to wear it for WWE night. Yeah, which is November 3rd uh, against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Chris and I will be there. Uh, I did interact with a couple people on uh, – Twitter today asking about it and a couple people on Facebook over the weekend asking about it. So I sent everybody the links. Uh, we would like to get people together for say hi and thank you when we're at the game for that uh, WWE night. So like I said, I know uh, as we're closer to the date, I'm sure there's going to be uh, more and more uh, rumblings about the night. Uh, people talking about it on Twitter. Uh, I'm going to have fun. So. Woo! Oh man. And we just had about 25 people tune out. So. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, I think that was wrap it up for us. Uh, look for us next week here, and uh, we'll talk to you then. See ya.